Welcome to episode 187 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am here deep within the depths of Magenta Manor. I didn't say bowels this time. Orange, you glad I didn't say bowels? <laughs> Where's, what? <laughs> Why? Where's the joke? Deep within the depths of Magenta <laughs> Manor in the something? Pat Cave. Yeah, you know, knock, knock. Who's there? Bowels. Bowels who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Bowels. I'm not, no, I'm not, I know where this is going. <laughs> I'm not feeding into this. No, you have to do it. <laughs> knock, knock. No. <laughs> no I, I say bowels and you say. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> no, bowels who? The bow. I don't know. Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say bowels again? See, that's where the joke came. If you have to explain it, <laughs> it's not that funny, but I have a, I have an idea. People, Some some folks might find that funny. But yeah, we are deeper than the depths of knock, Magenta knock. Manor, and we are... Uh, knock, knock. Nope, sorry. I'm deep within the depths of Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, and I can't hear you. And... Uh, as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee as a part of the Dorkening Podcast Network, the ever-growing Dorkening Podcast Network. And as you can tell, I am not here by myself. I have my co-host in life and the co-host on the show. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, the queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes Von Nightmare. Hello, bozos. Hello, Zobo. <laughs> Teo Durf. What are we talking about this week? Uh, input. Yes. Need input. We be jamming. Yes. Johnny Actually, Five. Earlier this week, He's I was alive. not jamming, but we'll get to that later. We're talking about Johnny Five. Yes. The Number Five. Adorable and lovable robot from uh, Short Circuit and the uh, sequel that came out two years later, Short Circuit 2. In which uh, he got a complete and total overhaul. So much like everybody get a complete overhaul to the point where Fisher Stevens' character got a new last name. Wow! Did wow. he get married? He might have. Maybe. See, I had to look it up because when I was a kid, I always thought he was saying Benjamin Jamatuya, but he was saying Jabatuya. <laughs> I didn't know. Last time I watched this, I was about eight or nine. So it's it's been oh, a while so since been, I've seen this. It's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of a several decades. So uh, I was excited. We found these movies on Vudu, and uh, Short Circuit was $4.99, but Short Circuit 2 was $13.99. And I was like, you know what? That still averages out to less than 10 bucks a piece. So uh, let's pull the trigger and let's cover Johnny Five, because I haven't seen this in forever. And it held up very well. I laughed my ass off. The only thing about this that did not hold up well was uh, Fisher Stevens in brown face pretending to be an Indian guy. Yeah. He is very white and was born and raised yeah. in Chicago. And uh, yeah. you certainly would not see that. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, if you could recast it right now, who would you, who would you put into it? Who would you have as a character? So I, if it was me... And I'm I'm gonna I'll go first so you can have a chance to think about this because this literally just popped into my head. We did not cover this in the uh, show outline. Uh, I would say I would have somebody like uh, T.J. Miller as Newton Crosby. Okay. 
Oh, so you mean the like recast the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. the whole thing? Okay. Short Circuit, Kunal Nanjiani as uh, as uh, Ben. Because it would be nice to actually have a an actual Indian person playing an Indian role. Uh, although I don't know if he's Indian. He might be Pakistani. I don't know off the top of my head. I would have to look. But I think he would fit in that role. Basically what I'm saying is it's, it would be nice not to have someone uh, wearing colored makeup to color their skin darker. Which I'm surprised someone was able to get away with in 1986, but that's beside the point. And I would have the robot voiced by uh, probably uh, John DiMaggio. No, no, I, John DiMaggio's got too gruff of a voice. Um, maybe Frank Welker. Um, maybe even uh, what's his name, Sheldon. Oh. Uh, um. Jim Why? Parsons. Yes, Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. I know. I'm just uh, who? Who would you? Oh, and uh, Ali Sheedy would have to be uh, because they look so similar. Uh, no, I was thinking of um, the other girl from the second one. Uh, who would Ali Sheedy be? Probably Florence Pugh because she's in everything now. Yeah, she's kind of an it girl. She's doing a lot. Uh, probably her. So I think she'd be good. Uh, Especially because that's kind of like a starring role, you know. Yeah. She's she's like the yeah. main character that Johnny spends the most time with. Uh, what would what would you go with? Okay, so ah, uh, I'm having a hard time. I don't know who I would want to play Newton Crosby. Somebody who could kind of um, John Krasinski. Okay, that's a good one. John yeah. Krasinski uh, and Ben. Could be played by Aziz Ansari. Yeah, I could see that. Could see that, right? And Stephanie, that's the Ali Sheedy role, yeah. can be played by Emma Stone. Yep, yep. And who would voice Johnny Five? Tom Kenny. SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was right. Kumal Nanjiani is Pakistani. Uh, is he the one who is currently getting? Ripped for the Eternals. Yeah, he's the dude that's super. He was in uh, Stuber with um, what's his name there? Dave he Batista. wrote and starred in The Big Sick, which was actually a really good film. Uh, kind of a sort of biopic, but I know his wife was posting pictures of of him, kind of like a on Instagram with with kind of like one of those like damn. Uh, you know, like the little blurbs. Oh, everybody was was posting. Well, I mean, like that. yeah, everyone, everyone was doing it. But you he know, he also plays Skip Marooch on Bob's Burgers. Oh, he's Skip Marooch. He is. I had no idea. He wants Bob's black garlic burger. He does. Uh, and then I want Bob's black gets garlic him, burger. Gets him on coast. Gets him in Coasters magazine, even mm-hmm. though he stuck to the toilet. Uh, but that's not even our getting into character question, even no. though we just discussed several people getting into different characters. Yes. I just, uh, that just popped into my head and I wanted to uh, to know what you thought. I think your choices were much better than mine. Um, what are we uh, doing for our getting into character question this week? So we want to know which sentient robot would you prefer to have as your robot sidekick? Well, he's not. they don't necessarily have to be sentient because not all of them are alive in the sense that Johnny Five is. But they definitely have uh, 
you know, thoughts and feelings and emotions. Like these guys. Well, so that's that's pretty much what sentient is. Like if you, they're yeah, they're aware of their own. You can pass the Turing test. I think some of these guys could pass the Turing test. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So who would you want as your robot sidekick? Well, see, for this, this is tough, because we were talking about this in the car a little bit. Obviously, Johnny Five is good, but he's got some mobility issues. Uh, if he has to reach something up high, you know, all he's got is that magnetic... But, I mean, he does hook. make it work. He does have a lot of gadgets. He'd be one hell of a Swiss Army knife. Y- yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless you needed to, like, defend yourself long range, because he got rid of his laser in the second movie, so you'd be kind of out of luck. And uh, he does have some significant weaknesses, but I think if I'm going to go with a robot and I'm going to go with somebody who's got uh, just a plethora of tricks, and I am a huge Star Wars guy, so I'm going to have to say uh, R2-D2. Really? R2? R2, uh, he can fly. Mm. He can defend himself. I've seen him beat uh, battle droids, like super battle droids. You know, he did that in uh, Revenge of the Sith. He, like, shot oil on them and then set them on fire, just roasted them. Uh, He has been instrumental to saving the lives of every single character that we, you know, are really invested in. You know, he always is, uh, you know, sticking his little... uh, R2 unit into, you know, every single thing. Hey, now, this is a family show. Yeah, I don't know what family. Maybe the Manson family. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think I might have to go with R2. Maybe an honorable mention to... uh, To... uh, I don't know. This is tough. This is tough. Like, if I could have any robot. Maybe uh, Bumblebee. Because... Bumblebee is also a mode of transportation. And in the newer movies, you know, not in the the Generation 1 cartoons where he was just like a little Volkswagen Beetle and he sucked. He was like basically one step up, a slight step up from like a person, like as to how useless he was. Um, But yeah, new Bumblebee is actually pretty badass. So I'm going to go with Bumblebee as my honorable mention because he can also be a mode of transportation. I didn't even think of Transformers or droids when coming up with my answer. I chose this robot sheerly for its love of musical theater and the fact that I think this robot would be a great companion and give me little plants and shoes. I'm talking about Wally. Wally's a good one. Yeah, Wally's pretty good. Wally looks a lot. I mean, like, lot. he can't really... He kind of looks like Johnny Five. I was going to say, Wally looks like... A little like bit in, in the, the If the Wally evolved like a Pokemon, he would turn into Johnny Five. Like, like Wally is like uh, the Pikachu stage. And then, and then whatever... Then the, Johnny Five would be like the Raichu. Oh, that's what that's called? I think it's called the Raichu. But yeah, like, it's not like... Or like, or like Wally would be the Charmander, and then Johnny Five would be the Charizard. I know that one. Yeah, like he would be like like Johnny Five is like the top, and like like maybe what's his name? You know, Wally is like the first step because like their treads look the same, uh, their faces look the same. They're it's similar, Similar, like they're not the same, but it's similar, like the eye shape and stuff. I think that you know it may have been. Uh, like the design of Johnny Five may have had some persuasion 
uh, when coming when, when designing Wally. I mean, it's not like Disney would ever rip anyone off. Oh, like, I know, right? You know, if you've never heard of Kimba the White Lion, there's a reason for that. But anyways, yeah. So even though Wally doesn't have you know the great mobility and you know really crazy things that he can do, I just think he'd be a really great companion. He is fun. He is fun. And he does learn and by he's doing adorable. Th- you know what? I just thought of another... And he learns things, too. I just thought of another robot who would be a great companion. Bender. Bender's a good one, but I was thinking the T-800 Terminator. <laughs> After rewatch, uh, Not rewatching, but uh, watching for the first time uh, the Terminator Dark Fate movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, they give that Terminator a lot more to do than just slowly walk and shoot guns. Okay. So, the T-800 Terminator would be a, a good companion. No, that's not the one that that's Arnold, Arnold Swar- Okay. That's Arnold. Okay. The T-800. You would want Arnold Schwarzenegger to be a robot friend? He's, like, undefeated. People, let me tell you about my robot friend. Ooh, Osimo. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want Osimo as my... I am Osimo. Oh, butters. Oh, yeah. That's I, me. <laughs> Lame, not cool. <laughs> hey, Osimo, you're a helper robot. Help me put in my suppository. <laughs> so anyways, we want to hear from you guys. Which sentient robot would you like as your robot sidekick? Yeah, and, and it could be any sentient be robot. Anybody. There are so many different robots out there. So many robots. I forgot about some robots. Yeah, like we didn't think of Transformers. I didn't think, you know, IG-11 is a good one. You know, mm-hmm. all he ever wants to do. I is mean, like there are so up, many though. different robots and droids in the Star Wars universe alone that could make a great companion. Everyone except C three PO. See, I don't mind C three PO. Dio's adorable. Dio, uh, BB eight. Um, this yeah, there's a lot. A gonk droid. Okay. <laughs> Just walk around going gonk, gonk. You know, so there's, you know, there's that. So, yeah, let us know what you think, you know. Uh, so I think with that being said, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will... Johnny uh, Five is alive! Talk about Johnny Five. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephalopodcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. 
So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroid Octopus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar Podcast Networks, with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. That, of course, was the uh, short circuit theme for the first movie, if you remember it. Uh, that's when they're kind of like showing all the different robot parts being put together and, you know, things piled up on each other, like the treads and like buttons and excitement. It's like a robot building montage. So, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those fun and exciting ads, especially that new Retro Over Doctopus ad. Uh, I find that one to be one of my favorite uh, promos that we play. Because it's just, it's really funny. Those guys are great. You should check out their show. It drops every Tuesday, uh, along with uh, several other shows. So there's a lot of shows on the Dorkening Network that drop on Tuesday. So Tuesdays are a good day to listen to podcasts. So we recently watched both Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2 to kind of get a little uh, refresher on Johnny Five. Of course, we remembered some of the things he did, some of the stuff he didn't do. I was able to quote most of the movie uh, because that's what I do. Now, no. Ashes, you weren't really sure you had ever seen Short Circuit 2. Um, I don't remember. So obviously I remember seeing the first one, but for some reason I thought the first one was the second one. And I don't remember seeing the second one. So this is kind of like an all new thing for you. So when we see Johnny Five at the beginning, he is part of the Saint program. He's not even Johnny Five. He's, He's number five. Number five. So there's five of them. And he gets hit by lightning and causes a malfunction. And he gains sentience that way because it overrides his programming, gives him an idea of self-preservation. And while he may not be alive in a, a technical sense... You know, when they kind of explore this a little bit in the second one, if he loses all his backup power and his memory, Johnny Five would cease to exist. Like, if they were to reprogram him, he'd go back to being number five. So he would, in all intents and purposes, be dead. You know, but he wasn't, like, imbued with, like, a soul or anything. He has sentience. He is, you know, he, he understands emotions, and he understands... uh Again, self-preservation. It takes him a little while. 
Right, but that's not what his original purpose was. Right. So these robots were designed by Dr. Newton Crosby and his partner. We'll just call him Benjamin because his last name changes between the first movie and the second movie. And was constructed by Nova Laboratories, the robotics division, along with four other other prototypes. So he was the last one in the group. Obviously, they were all numbered one, two, three, four, and five. And they were used as technology demonstrators for the U.S. Department of Defense. So Nova Laboratories actually proposed that this design could be used as a robotic soldier and as an intelligent delivery system for nuclear weapons. That's part of what uh, SAINT stood for. Right, and SAINT stands for Strategic Artificially Intelligent Nuclear Transport. Yeah, so after uh, they show like the, the, the capability of these robots. Now, this is a m- movie that was geared towards kids. But you wouldn't know that by that first scene because when you're first introduced to these robots, they're kind of like in a, a in this little, yeah, it kind of reminded me of a paintball setup. Yeah, almost you know, like the little houses and the haystacks and everything. Like Normandy, where you had like the machine gun nests, where you know the guys would hide in the machine gun nests and just kind of be there and just like mowing down everyone that they came that came towards them. And that's kind of where the robots were, you know, when they were showing them blowing up tanks and jeeps and half tracks and all these things. And, like, you see the smoking ruins of what you think are people. But it turns out it's just a demonstration for the Department of Defense and all the people are mannequins. But you don't know that till one of them kind of, like, rolls over and, like... You see, like, just a smoking plastic And then you face. see the bleachers full of these uppity people and very... No, but the, it, they're senators and yeah. congress people and yes. military And they're guys. all watching this and they're clapping their hands joyfully. Oh, look at Good show, look good at show. burning those civilians and military <laughs> people. This is great. I can't wait to unleash this on a village. Oh, this is going to be the best. Right, but what they wanted was funding for this program. So that's why they were putting on this display. And then obviously, you know, the whole mishappen happens with number five. Yeah, because they only had, they had five of these, and these were all the prototypes. They wanted to mass produce them, but they were $11 million a piece. You kind of need money to do that. Right. Which is why they were putting on this demonstration as kind of like a fundraiser to raise the funds to make more robots. Right. And they're like, this so is what we would have like do. number three. We, we could have Johnny number three hundred and five. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I would also, I would also say that if these, if these guys actually could get out into the battlefield, they'd be, they'd be pretty tough to stop. Like we see the capability of the lasers that they have, and they're rather indestructible as well. They're very tough. They are very tough. Like, they can take, you know, multiple uh, shots from uh, high-capacity automatic rifles. Um, they're pretty much flame-resistant. But, yeah, they're they're good in all terrain. Like, you wouldn't think that they were good in most terrain. Like, you know, mud. Like, you'd think they'd get bogged down. But they actually move fairly well right, with those treads. We see that, you know, once number five gains sentience and and runs away and goes on his own, we see more of this range of mobility that they have. The fact that he can jump up and down. Yes. 
he imitates a grasshopper at one point, and that's when he kind of figures out what the difference is between life and death and what, what that actually means. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because when he encounters Stephanie, it's completely by accident. Before we get into this, there's a, a very interesting way that they are able to kind of bring Johnny Five to life because we see him do all these different motions and it's like, wow, this is like beyond what you would expect from special effects in 1986. So, Ashes, I know you have it in your notes, exactly what they did to bring him to life. So, first of all, uh, Johnny Five is both puppeteered and voiced by Tim Blaney. Now, I thought he was voiced by Howie Mandel because I thought everything in the 80s was voiced by Howie Mandel. That's fair. So, uh, I, I learned something. But Blaney was originally intended to only be the placeholder voice for the robot while puppeteering. They were going to have another actor come in and do the voice after the fact in the studio. But everyone pretty much agreed that his voice was perfect for this because they all got used to him, you know, throughout the... uh, what the filming process. filming process that's a word i'm looking for throughout filming they just got used to him and they couldn't imagine johnny five having a voice of anything other than tim blaney's you know vocal acting skills that he portrayed uh and another thing too is they liked the fact that he was vocalizing while puppeteering so you got to hear his reactions to things which you know made everything more authentic than having somebody react in a sound studio to me the most impressive part of this is the way they did i forget what they called it but it's essentially live action motion capture right so the original script called for extensive stop motion animation but the director opted to use practical effects instead which is why we see a little bit of stop motion in some of the scenes because you they can tell wouldn't like, get away from things, that yeah. uh cgi kind of really wasn't a thing that was readily used so they tried to get around it by using practical effects for the most part. Now, in the movies, for close-up shots, Johnny Five becomes a giant hand puppet. His arms are attached to extended metal rods, similar of that of a Muppet. Mm -hmm. For distant shots, a version of Johnny Five was remotely controlled by an actor wearing a telemetry suit that sensed his move. I said telemetry. I know. I, I was trying to remember what it was before. Uh. Which sensed his movements and transmitted them to the robot, which mirrored them, which I think is fantastic. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like live action motion capture. So instead of like having an actor go like what we would do today, like when James Spader was Ultron, you know, having the actor go through and do all the acting and do everything he needs to do, and then later they replace the actor with the CGI render. Right. Like there was somebody off screen moving their arms and wiggling their eyebrows, and which I thought was just phenomenal i mean obviously some of the stuff had to be done with remote control like the eyes you know the eyes irising open and closed changing colors oh absolutely and they also had a scale model of him for doing certain movements and stuff as well um 
There were also three interchangeable radio-controlled heads that were built for number five, so facial expressions could be par- properly articulated according to the scene. Anytime you see number five's arm or hand doing something without the rest of him in the frame, it's because the robot puppet was not capable of doing the action. So instead of trying to get the whole puppet to do it, it was easier to just kind of manipulate the hand. Yeah, zoom in a little bit. Right. So, you know, you just think it's the the shot and it takes away from the fact that, you know, they they, they couldn't get what they were trying to go go for. Yeah, because he does a lot of... uh you know, as he's explaining things or saying things, like he does a lot of emoting with his hands. Like there's a lot of, you know, gesturing and, and moving and, and like certain easy movements. Like when he first meets Stephanie and she's like beckoning him to come forward and he just like moves his finger, you know, imitating her, not quite understanding what she's looking for. And they also wanted to give every part of the robot a purpose. So uh, they decided, you know, when creating this character that they wanted him to be able to emote visually, like have eyes and whatnot. So they wanted to make sure that they had a description as to why this robot would have the eyes that it had. And their description is... His eyelids were created with the explanation that they were sun guards and camera coverings. Right, because his eyes, you know, you see them iris open and close similar to like a a camera shutter or like an old camera shutter at the time where, you know, it just kind of snaps shut real quick or like a zoom lens because his eyes do come out and he... He focuses on things a few times. And fun fact, number five weighed 250 pounds. That seems light. Like I, I mean, it kind of—it's a heavy piece of of machinery. See, I think I, I was thinking because they even say in the second movie, you know, because when uh, he gets loose in the city after uh, Fred tries to sell him, Ben Which again, says was to such him, "Such a typical '80s thing. It's like a sequel. Uh, what are we gonna do? How about we get lost in the city? Well, he My said, God, that's ben, an idea. Ben even says." You know, how are you losing a 700-pound car key? And I could see Johnny weighing 700 pounds. Like, today, he'd probably be made of, like, aircraft aluminum. Like, if this was a func- fully functional machine, like, the heaviest part would be, like, his, his, his wheelbase, his treads, and his, like, lower half, where his battery and, like, a lot of his, like, like engine or, or propulsion would be stored. Because the rest of his frame, he seems kind of, like, spindly and, and thin, but you would expect like that lower part to be like really heavy. Kind of uh, the thing that I'm looking at is a uh, uh, or thinking of is like if you were to take one of those like mobile basketball hoops where like you fill the bottom like the base with sand and stuff. Like that's super heavy, but like the rest of it doesn't weigh that much. That's what I'm looking at. Right. Well, you have to think about it. You know. The robot itself, the innards was probably just all wiring and stuff. Yeah, so he, the this frame wasn't a fully been, functional right. like Well, that's battle. what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you know, so but in I the never film, right, so like, you know, when they say in the film he weighs 700 pounds, but the actual model of yeah, Johnny Five was only 250 pounds. Right, because I even I say then, only like I could lift that, right? It's only 250 pounds. If you could carry 250 pounds, you'd be so close to being able to carry me like I always ask. Do you, do you even lift, bruh? <laughs> But yeah, it's, you know, 
saying he weighs 700 pounds, yeah, he's probably like very high-density steel or iron, you know, like different alloys to absorb different shock, you know, and, and you know, uh, gunfire and stuff like that, you know, protect all the, the guts to him so he can, you know, function and operate in an active battlefield. Right, and he was pretty much indestructible. The only thing that absolutely terrified him was the thought of being disassembled. Yes. Because he, he equated disassemblance to death. And he found this out because he's... You got to remember, he's got... Uh, he's very intelligent, but he's very naive. So he's very childlike in nature. Like, he wants to learn things. He requests input. He wants to read things. He wants to watch TV. He wants everything he wants to read ev- the backs of cartons you know shakespeare uh, the tv guide you know everything matter. he wants to watch the news he wants to watch the three stooges he just wants everything but he has this childlike curiosity about him you know because obviously he has the ability to know a lot and retain all of this information but there's still so much out there that he doesn't know because he's, he wasn't programmed he's smart but he's not streetwise. He doesn't have the experience in the real world to understand. And that is a, a huge theme of the second movie. Like, he doesn't have this, like, like you know, when the, the Los Locos, when they're like, oh, yeah, like, we have to take all these car stereos out of these cars today, and we can't go home and see our families until we get them all. He's like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> you guys work for the Department of Car Stereo Repair. Let me help you. Let me fix this. You know, let me let me take all these out. And it's like, like you were stealing these things. No, no, no. I was helping my friends. They're going to take them out, fix them, and put them back tomorrow. It's like, nope. You just participated in a felony. So, like, that's that's where it's coming from. Like, they're just, like, he's very trusting and, and naive, and he's essentially like a five-year-old. But if you think about it, especially in the first film, aside from being hunted by the Department of Defense trying to track him down and, you know, ultimately get their piece of equipment back, the interactions that he had with humans were relatively positive the friendship that he made with stephanie he ultimately went to live with stephanie and newton crosby in a cabin in the woods in of course it's an 80s film so steve gutenberg got the girl well i mean it's not just that you know gutenberg's in it and the uh, i'm i'm losing is it's the same guy who played like the drill sergeant the asshole drill sergeant in Police Academy and all those movies. It's the he's playing the same character, and Gutenberg's essentially the same character. You know, like this is definitely a, like an eighties like staple. It's kind of the same character he played in La Valanchula. No, I was talking about the other guy. The um, now I have to look him up because I can't. Remember I was his talking name. about Steve Gutenberg. I know, yeah, and. Two Lava, Two Lantula, the sequel. I'm just, I'm, I'm just making comments about Steve Gutensberg. Steve Gutensberg. Steve Gutensberg's career. Hey, he. Hey, at least he still has one. He was very, very successful. Oh, G. W. Bailey. He played Scroter, except that Ben called him Scrotum a couple times, at least once. But yeah, getting back to 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 Johnny Five, like the way he approached things, like. He saw, uh, he was trying to make breakfast for Stephanie, 
and he was making hash browns, but he kept them in the package because the instructions never said, take hash browns out of the package. They just tell you how to cook them. So he was cooking them package at all. Like he had, he had them in a pan on the stove in the package. And it's like, you know, at, you know, after however long, flip them over. So he just took the pan with the thing stuck to it and just flipped it over. So now the package was on the burner. And it's like, <laughs> it's like poor Stephanie. He's doing it right. He's following the instructions. But, you know, again, he doesn't have that, like, experience or common sense. Like, when he's making pancakes and it's like, add eggs, add eggs. He doesn't he crack cr- the he eggs. Just adds he just puts the, whole the eggs in egg, there. Right. But we also see him, like, incredibly skilled, like... This is like the the one part of the movie that like really stretches the suspension of disbelief where he takes apart the entire Trans Am in about 14 seconds. Like that's a little much. But we see him as he's interacting with these different different animals like he's learning about um the dog and he's learning about the cats and the skunks and the ants and all these different creatures and he sees a grasshopper so he starts imitating it. Because we see him earlier in the movie following a butterfly and imitating the butterfly wings with his little eye flaps, mm-hmm. which essentially come to be his his eyebrows. Yes, he emotes through the uh, the eye flaps, the upper eye flaps. He has very Eugene Levy esque eyebrows. Oh, these are very definitely, full. Yes, very full. And oh, the other guy, he was he's in uh, uh, the Man Who Knew Too Little. I'd have to look him up, but yeah, he's got very full. He's in Your Grace and Frankie show too. Is there a Sam Waterston? No, not Sam Waterston. No. Um, he's uh, he was the guy who was talking to Peter Gallagher. Yes, Peter Gallagher. Yes, yes, yes he does. Those are some eyebrows. That's the guy. Very I'm voluptuous of. eyebrows. I don't know about voluptuous to describe <laughs> eyebrows, but I guess. Um, but yeah, he uses those to emote, and he's you know he's he's watching the thing, and he's he's jumping, and he crushes the 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 thing and this is after stephanie got off the phone yeah he accidentally squishes the grasshopper and she and said they're gonna take you apart and you know fix you and he's like oh okay you know that whatever that's fine that's what that's routine maintenance i'm a robot that's that's fine and he's like oh she's like you squished him he's dead and he's like well reassemble it and she goes you can't like when something's dead it's dead that is forever you you crushed him you can't reassemble it and he's like He's like, oh, grasshopper disassembled. And she, he's like, reassemble. And she's, he's still not getting it. And then she's like, no, disassemble is dead. And he's like, dead, disassembled, disassembled, dead. And he's like, that's when he starts freaking out. Like, don't disassemble me, I'm alive. Like, he's freaking out and because he, he's finally making that connection. But when she told him before, she's like, hey, like 10 seconds earlier, she's like, you were going to disassemble you and... You know they're gonna they're gonna fix you and you know take care of your malfunction, and like that's when he starts really realizing like holy shit. Even though he doesn't say that, uh, he's like, this is what this means, and it, it that ends up having a profound impact on him because he refuses to take a life, even though that's what he was designed for. Well, and not only that, you know, he says. Throughout the film, number five is alive. No, you know, disassemble and then, Johnny Five. Right. Well, you know, eventually he names himself Johnny Five, 
but he talks about himself in the third person and it's not until later on in the film where I feel like he gains full sentience where he says I am alive mm-hmm. yeah because he kept That's saying like a, number five right is alive. he kept referring to himself in the third person number five is alive and then you know he said no I I am alive and that's when I feel like he you know everyone really started to well not everyone obviously the army men still wanted their their droid back but you know stephanie was taking him seriously but that's when newton crosby really started to take him seriously as this thing has feelings well it it took him a while because he kept saying i'm alive i'm alive i'm alive and newton's like basically running like an improvised turing test on him like he takes the tomato soup and kind of pours it on the paper that they're reading and he's like identify this and he's like going through the ingredients and the dyes and everything but then he stops and it's like it you know resembles you know a, a butterfly or a maple leaf or you know th- and he's like so he's even then that doesn't quite convince him but when he gets a spontaneous emotional response by telling the bad joke which is a pretty good joke actually the priest and minister and a rabbi are all in a golf course they're discussing how to uh, what they should give to charity. And the priest says, we'll draw, uh, uh, and this is, uh, after I listened to the joke, I was like, it is kind of anti-Semitic the way he says it. Cause it's like you have the, the priest says, let's draw a circle on the ground, throw all the money up in the air, whatever lands in the circle, we give to charity. And the minister says, no, we'll draw a circle on the ground, throw the money in there. Whatever lands on the outside, we'll give to charity. And, you know, the rabbi says, we'll throw all the money way up in the air and whatever God wants, he keeps. And, like, I think that's that's funny. Like, you could replace the rabbi with somebody else. Like, you know, you don't have to make the rabbi the one that's, you know, that has that punchline because that's kind of anti-Semitic. But, again, this is 1986. It was a different time. And, like, that was priest and minister and a rabbi jokes were fucking everywhere. But Johnny Five starts laughing at this. You know, and this is after he's already shown, like, heightened intelligence, problem-solving outside of the programs that they were supposed to do. And there's a running thing that uh, Ben and Newton Crosby keep saying. I can't get angry. I can't get happy. It doesn't have feelings. It just runs programs. But then he looks at him. He's like, you've rewired this, and you've changed that, and, like, your programming is different. Like, all this stuff has changed. Like, and he did it to himself. He managed to reprogram the three robots that came after him into the Three Stooges. Which was hilarious. Probably one of the funniest scenes of the film. And he, you know, and Crosby is still like, "How how is this happening? And then, you know, Ben's solution was maybe Stephanie's a super hacker. He's like, yeah, she's a super hacker. Like, she did all this in 10 minutes. Like... There's no way it took us decades to even like come up with this, like this unique programming language to to make the robots do what we want them to do. And she completely changed it. And he's like, no, there's something else. And, you know, you could kind of see that maybe he thought Johnny was alive. And eventually, obviously, he, he comes around to it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like, how how could this have happened? And you know, again, I don't think he he's alive in a in a you know like like a, something that was born is alive, you know. But he gained the ability to understand his own mortality. I guess is the the best way to look at it. But obviously, they 
they end up escaping at the end of the movie. He creates a double of himself to get blown up by the by the bad guys. And they all go to Montana because he's like, oh, I've got a, a, a few acres, you know, that was left to me by my family. And the few acres is apparently 43. I think few. I'm thinking two or three, not 40-something. And, you know, Stephanie's got all her animals that she has at her house, like her freaking animal sanctuary. She's got ducks and turkeys and chickens and sheep and three-legged dogs named Beasley. And, uh... Beasley. Beasley. So, obviously, they both lost their job, you know, Ben and, and Newton. And where the second movie picks up, it's two years later, and... Ben is living out of a Nova Robotics van. I don't know how he was able to keep the Nova Robotics van with all the Nova Robotics shit in it. I don't know how he was able to pull that off. That's probably the least believable thing about the entire film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each of the series. Yeah. Like, this is a high, highly secretive, like, Department of Defense-funded robotics lab. And he's just like, oh, I live in this van that I parked in the middle of this city. Now, the weird thing is, like, you're kind of made to think that it's New York, you know, like, with all the people, like, selling random shit on the sidewalk, like, Fred's trying to sell people genuine Ronex watches for thirty nine ninety five, you know, like, people hawking wares, you know, as you walk up and down the streets in certain parts of New York. But the license plates on the cars are clearly from Ontario. One of the streets that they turn down, you know, during the pursuit at the end is a street in Toronto, but then you have one, you know, uh, Oscar give Johnny Five a tourism book, and it's for St. Louis. It's are like, they are they in Gotham? Is it Gotham? Can we call it Gotham? Maybe they're in Springfield Gotham. because it's bordered by <laughs> Oregon, Maine, Kentucky, and Ohio. But it's it's they're all over the place. But we see Ben making little versions, and we see Michael McKeon, who I fucking love. Uh, from Saturday Night Live and Coneheads and Spi- this is Spinal Tap, Michael McKeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see him as kind of like he's like this huckster and he's selling, again, genuine Rolex watches for thirty nine ninety five, And he's uh, one of the robots gets away and just happens to go into uh, the office of Sandy Banatoni, assistant buyer of uh, Simpsons Toys. And... Um, you know, Fred takes this opportunity to kind of jump on Ben's bandwagon because Ben is fairly, uh, even though he's lived in America for quite some time, he's still kind of naive, you know, referring to things like, you know, former President Warren G. Hardon and <laughs> said that it was slower than moles asses in January. Like, and that was like a big thing from the first movie. He got like a lot of these like idioms, like one word wrong, you know, like he he did that repeatedly and it was like played for laughs like oh you know i speak english but i don't quite understand your culture yet which again super fucking racist because he's from chicago he's not an indian guy Ugh. but again and they changed his name from the first movie to the second movie that i mentioned earlier yeah there's no explanation for that either no it's it went from uh, jabatuya to javeri it's and just, they, uh, it's a thing that happened. And they made that, that they kept calling him Benjamin Jarvie. He's like, Javeri. And he even pronounces it three different ways <laughs> in the movie. Sometimes it's Javeri, sometimes it's Javeri. And it's like, pick one. 
Like, that's not even your name. Your name is... Maybe he changed his name to avoid, you know... Tax evasion. No, just to avoid being captured. But, like, you're driving a fucking Nova Robotics van. Like, there's no... Maybe it's a different Nova Robotics. He just switched the letters around. It says Avon instead. (laughs) Avon Robotics. Avon Robotics calling. Um, But, yeah, he's, he's just... You he know, wants to know if you've tried the latest foundation. So he's selling these little mini Johnny Fives for $20 a piece. And Sandy Banatoni comes and says, I'll give you 50 bucks each if you can get me 1000 So Fred's like, yep, we can do that. And he's like, no, remember, this movie came out in 1998. So he's like, well, how long would it take you to make 1000 And he takes a little calculator out. 1998? 1988, sorry. Because I was thinking about what he's about to say. He takes his calculator out and he's... And Fred's like, yeah, this is just like a ballpark figure. And like Ben's putting like every single uh, uh, variable into this calculator and figuring out. He's like, I can have them by the middle of October 1993, <laughs> which in 1988 was a lot funnier than it is now because that was 27 fucking years ago. <laughs> My God, I feel old. But... Uh, Fred is able to kind of go to a loan shark, and they never resolve that, but I assume everything ends up being okay, because they never really resolve the loan shark storyline. But they happen to be... A, the building that Fred procures is a, is a building that is about to be condemned and torn down in a couple months, and it's right across he the He got a great deal on he it. He did get a good deal on it, but that's like... Oh, I found this great deal on bird seed. We don't have a bird. Yeah, but this was a really good deal. So, and it turns out that there are some bad guys who are trying to tunnel underneath. So they want Fred and Ben out of there. And you notice that I haven't said anything about Johnny Five yet. That's because Johnny Five doesn't show up until about 35 minutes into this hour and a half. No, this was almost two hours. It was long. This Enough. is almost a two hour. It's an hour and 50. But still, Johnny Five doesn't show up for about 35 minutes. Oh, but when he shows up, boy, does he show up. Because they come in, they, they rough up Ben and his and Fred. And Fred thinks it's the loan shark sending... Durf. Yeah, Durf. Ben thinks it's the loan shark coming in, you know, sending guys after him. Like, where's my money? And it's like, whoa, 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 I have until whatever day. But it's not. It's bad guys who want to go into the vault next door because the opening scene of this movie is planes landing and all this shit happening and this guy going to a bank and showing like i have all these diamonds let's put them in a safe and you're like what the fuck does this have to do with ro- i just want to see robots is this am i watching die hard is yeah. this die hard so actually there is die hard in this the battery he uses the bi- ba- batteries it is battery. die hard yes the musical yes work hard or die trying girl so now they have no workforce, no money to replenish it, like they're in trouble, but something gets delivered to them. And what is it? It's a giant box with Johnny Five in it. But what's hilarious is they don't know what's in the box. So this box just shows up, it's like a cargo freight. And it starts moving and walking itself into the building. Yeah. And What is this crap? Who is carrying? This crap is moving. Like and he busts out of the box and he's like, hey, hello, Bozo, it's me, Johnny Five, remember me? And like, he has completely changed his look because he 
does not want to kill. He doesn't want to take life because he understands how precious life is and how everyone wanted to hurt him. And Ashes, you got some notes on this. I do. So because he doesn't have a desire to kill, Johnny Five actually had his laser weapons removed and fitted a Swiss Army knife-like toolbox into its original mount, calling it a utility pack. It contains miscellaneous pieces of equipment such as a Polaroid camera, a plasma-cutting torch, an umbrella... And a magnet grappler on the end of a steel cable. Yeah, so it's essentially like Batman's um, Batman's uh, utility belt because it just has whatever is convenient, convenient to the plot. Because yes. like, oh, I fell out a window. That's okay. I have a fucking hang glider. Oh, I have to cut through... A foot of steel. That's okay. I've got a plasma torch. Right, yeah. So a hang glider actually replaced the standard issued parachute. Which he used in the first one. Right. Now, this gets me to the second most unbelievable part, because after he uses the hang glider and he, like, lands, the thing is already folded up and wrapped up and just folds neatly right back into it. It's like, no, it fucking didn't. It's totally believable. They do that. Go, go, gadget skis. <laughs> His original power source was replaced with a lithium-argon liquid battery, which can provide enough power for 500 hours of operation. It is supplemented with an emergency backup battery with an unknown capacity, but not much more than a couple of hours, which we find out later Yeah, in we the see film. that. It's, it's like an hour 58 is because he... Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. He also has been fitted with a multi-frequency remote control, which can operate almost any electrical device and can control several devices at once. Now, he did have a different-looking remote control antenna in the first movie, uh, but he didn't really. It wasn't really part of the plot. Like he used it once just to be like, "Hey, I have this," and it seems like it was upgraded. But he also got a corporate sponsorship, it seems, because he got a Nike. He got Nike swoosh on the side. Oh, yeah. He had stickers and everything. He had Greenpeace stickers and, like, Smile and, you know, Bernie 2020. (laughs) (laughs) His memory capacity was also increased to 512 megabytes online, implying that his RAM capacity, uh, oh, implying that... this is his RAM capacity. Yes. I can talk words good. Uh, whether he has any alternate data storage devices, such as a hard drive, is unknown. But at that time, 512 megabytes is huge. Hey. Especially in that compact of a storage unit. Because right. if you remember, like at the time, like some people, I don't know who's listening right now, but some of you folks listening to this might not have ever seen an Apple IIe computer that, you know, you were playing a game and, like, you had to take the big five-and-a-half-inch floppy disk out and either flip it over or replace it with another disk. That's where all your programs were because your computer wasn't strong enough to hold, like, you know, your word processing thing or a game. Like, your phone today is, like, a million times more powerful, no exaggeration, than the computers of the 80s. Right, and what was crazy is the fact that the computers were so large. They were so massive. There was no such thing so as little. microprocessors yet. Right. Or if they were, they were, like... Like, the processor... Like, you have, in some cases, eight processors in your phone. Or, like, if you have a smartwatch, you have, like, a quad-core processor. Something like that would take up a room in the 80s. Remember Oregon Trail? Yeah. 
Did you always die of dysentery? I never really played it. I played King's Quest. I don't remember that. It was a text game. I was not very good at it. And then I would just get frustrated. Did you die of dysentery in that game? I did. And I would just quit and play uh, Jeopardy until I uh, knew all the questions and I would just dominate in Jeopardy. And I didn't care anymore. I would just win every time. Shut out completely. Yeah. But that's not the only uh, upgrade that Johnny Five gets in that film. The ending has him looking quite different as well. Yes, but we'll get to that. We'll get there. Yes. So once they find out the robot's there, they try to, you know, the, the two thugs try to attack the robot, and Johnny Five summarily kicks their asses and demonstrates the laws of centrifugal force and uh, whips them out the door. Then makes an, a really nice... Um, a security system and they realize that they can't you know battle him with brute force and so oscar who's been leading this thing the whole time because he oscar now is a lot more see back in the 80s it was like all greed and greed is good greed is good you know uh but now you kind of feel for oscar because he's like i'm underpaid and underappreciated and all day long i have to deal with other people's money and i can't make mistakes and you know, he wants to get revenge. Like, this is the plot of several films that we see today. Like, I'm underpaid, and these guys are holding this, and they're acting like assholes to me. And they've always acted like assholes. I put in 20 years of my life, 30 years of my life. I'm going to steal these jewels. Like, this is like a Nicolas Cage, Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage movie. It's a heist movie in any other circumstances. But the thing that appeals to... Uh, the thing about Oscar that appeals to Johnny Five is... Everybody's mean to him. Everybody's assuming that he's like a parlor trick or he's being controlled by, you know, a remote, that he's not who he is. Like, he's like, everyone's always yelling at me. Like, this could have gone a very different way. Like, if you've seen the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, it's very similar to how Johnny Five is treated. Everyone's mean to him and abuses him and hits him and hurts him. And he doesn't understand why. Like, there's no reason for it. Just people are assholes. But we see glimpses of, of his humanity. Wait, are what? you saying the Joker movie is the Short Circuit 3 film we were supposed to get? The Short Circuit threequel, yes. <laughs> yeah. the, dark, the, dark, the dark and gritty reboot starring Joker. Joker has five letters. Just saying. It's J5... J5, Johnny what? 5. What? Right? I just blew your fucking mind. That's right. The Joker is the th- the dark and gritty reboot of 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 uh, uh short, short circuit. circuit. You heard it here first, kids. I got to write that down so I don't forget it. Uh Joaquin Phoenix is number 5. Johnny 5, J5. Arthur is Latin for Johnny 5. <laughs> Crack the code. <laughs> y- y- yeah. Yes. Yes. Arthur yes? Fleck is a palindrome of fuck. Larthnen. I don't know. Which co- totally ties to this film. It totally ties into this film. Uh, but yeah, everybody's mean to him. It's like to the point where he gets thrown out of a church. You know, like the priest is yelling at him. He's like, "You can't confess by remote control," and like no one believes that he's alive. And it's very sad. 
and especially towards the end when you know Oscar befriends him and gets him to do everything he wants and you know breaks into the vault and he's like no 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 I own the bank it's my vault I own the the Vanderveer diamond collection it's worth 32 million dollars yeah I own it it's mine this is my old junk and then in what you know Johnny's like this something about this isn't right this doesn't feel right to me and he goes to confront him and they try to run him over with their car and then they catch him and they this is like one of the most traumatic scenes for me cuz I'm watching this for the first time I'm like 7 or 8 and I'm watching Johnny Five get absolutely fucking destroyed. This, it would be like them beating on a child, because that's essentially what he is. Yes, I know he's a robot and he's powerful and he's already shown that he can take care of himself. But he's sitting there, and they they grab him with a, a crowbar and yank him by the the neck onto the ground, and the first guy hits him. And his blood splatters all over the other guy. Well, battery fluid splatters all over him, but it's meant to look exactly like blood. And as they're smashing him with a crowbar and, you know, hacking at him with an axe, like they cut his arm off, he's begging and pleading with them not not to hurt. He was like, I'm alive. Don't kill me, please. And he's begging and pleading. And it's fucking heartbreaking. Like it was voted online as one of the saddest movie scenes of all time. Because it really is. It'd be like, you know, in, in I don't know, fucking Old Yeller, if, like, instead of him getting rabies at the end, like, instead, like, a bunch of people just came and just kicked the shit out of him. Or, like, Forrest Gump, he's got his, his fucking braces and people just show up and kick the shit out of him. Like, because for all intents and purposes, all right, put it this way. You know how pissed you got when the, when the stormtroopers were punching Baby Yoda? Yes. Yeah, that's how pissed I was because it wasn't just like, all right, knock it off, shut up and be quiet. You know, you bit me, now I'm going to hit you. It was malicious and violent and angry with, you know, the visual aesthetic of him. You know, it was like a horror movie. It was like, it was similar to the opening scene of RoboCop with... um, Oh my God! Not P- oh, not Peter Cullen. Fuck! What is his name? Peter Cushing. No, it's not Peter Cushing. Oh my God! That's gonna bug Peter, Peter Weller. Weller. Peter Weller. Weller. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, Teamwork. Yes, yeah. because uh, it's that brutal and that disturbing. Wait, so you were how old when you watched this for the first time? Seven or eight. Yeah, I was watching it for the first time at 34, and it was very traumatizing. That's what you said. You were like, I can see how this would be disturbing to a child. And yeah, because it it, it's disturbing watching it as a 30-year-old. Like Hearing it's, him it's, beg and plead for his yeah. life while they're just like, fuck you, and smashing Right, well, here's him. the thing. like, He doesn't understand why they're doing this to him. You know, obviously watching the film, you kind of have some, you know, background information as to what they're looking for and why they're doing this. But he has no clue why. And I don't know. It's it's for me, it's similar to watching like I don't like films that torture animals. I, I know it's not like a real animal, but like if the dog dies, I'm out. Right. You know, like it was similar. similar so she to didn't that. even was, see the last 95 percent of John Wick. 
Well, that was that was the exception. So that was the exception because you told me to just. Keep, I was I was ready to give up. I was like, no, you got to keep. I was watching. like, that's it. I'm done. He's like, no, 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 no. You have to keep watching it. They and have I'm, I'm three glad. more movies after that, and it's all because of his dog. <laughs> right? No, I'm glad I. I'm glad I stuck with it, but it was a very hard moment. I'm glad that we actually watched it at home versus going to the theater because I needed a minute. Well, I'll tell you what it kind of reminded me of because we see, you know, during his like, you know, exploits trying to, or his adventures, I should say, trying to, you know, fit in and be more human. He goes to a bookstore and he's just plowing through all kinds of books because he can read very, very quickly because of, you know, you see him, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, he just flips pages. It's like he has intense ADD. Yes. But he. He finds two books that he really, really likes, and he's like, I'm going to read these carefully. And you don't see what they are until later when he gets arrested and impounded as stolen property. And he's like, I was trying to fit in, but I failed. No, he's like, attempt to fit in, unsuccessful. And he's so sad, and Ben, you know, is helping him, and he looks at the two books that he was reading, and they were Pinocchio and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And you really see the parallels between this and Frankenstein because, you know, it's people don't understand what they're looking at. And this is something that was brought to life by lightning. It is a life form that didn't ask to be created, but is just trying to do the best it can, not fully understanding its surroundings and why everyone is reacting to it the way they are. And, you know, Johnny Five, you know, is able to eventually, you know, understand. And even though everyone was cruel to him and tried to hurt him and injure him, he refuses to take a life, even though it'd be so easy. It'd be so easy for him, but he doesn't want that uh, stain on his conscience, which I thought was incredible. And we do get to see his range of emotions. You know, he's not just sad. Because he's eventually able to pick himself up off the sidewalk, leaving, you know, a pool of blood. And, you know, the SWAT team comes in through the the basement, through the uh, safe hole, and they come up just as Ben and Fred are arriving back home because they made this complicated, uh, almost like a Morse code thing. But it was a musical cue to figure out where they were because the bad guys locked them up in a room full of frozen Chinese squid to keep them out of the way. And, you know, Fred wasn't there. He, th- and this is the probably the third most unrealistic thing, is that somehow Fred is able to find Johnny Five by accident in this massive city. And it, he's like, you have to fix me. But he, you know, doesn't say it because he's too smashed up. He writes it on a wall in chalk. He writes, dying, get Ben. And it's like, oh... Like, it's so sad. It's like this whole part in the music. It's basically like two or three keys on a piano that they just keep repeating. And it's so sad. It's reminiscent of the sad song from the Hulk. I was going to say, it's the sad walking away song. It's very similar. Um, It's almost like that was played like backwards or like inside out. Like, that's what this theme would be. And, you know, he relies on Fred, who has tried to sell him, who has insulted him who is, you know, not treated him as an equal or a friend the way that Ben oh, treats him. Oh, derf. 
he's now like, you have to fix me. And he's like, with me? How? With what? And like the alley that he found him in was the back entrance of a radio shack. So now, today, he'd be fucked because there aren't any. But he, you know, they set up a computer and he's typing things onto the screen. So telling Fred what to do and finally Fred's able to repair him enough so that he can speak. He's like, okay, great. Are you all set now? And he's like, no, like my backup power is going. My backup power is me. If it fails, I die. You know, like what we were talking about earlier. And so Fred's able to fix him and get him, you know, 70%, you know, functionality. And he's like, you know, he, He's like, oh, yeah, you know, don't, you know, don't feel so bad about getting conned by, you know, Oscar the con man. He goes, he conned me. I'm supposed to be the, you know, the big slick, the big city guy, you know. He goes, he locked up me and Benny in a room full of frozen Chinese squid. And then Johnny Five kind of like turns around from what he's doing. He's like, they locked you up. They did not smash, crush, dent or mangle you. He's like, no, they just wanted us out of the way. And then he gets fucking Pissed. He gets angry and he gets a mohawk because he everyone gets knows a Travis Bickle mohawk. In the eighties, if you're going to be a badass and you're going to be sassy, you need to get yourself a mohawk. He made himself a bandolier out of fucking batteries. He gave himself an oh, eye patch. He had a sash. Bandolier. He had a robot sash. It was a bandolier. It's fabulous. And he gave himself an eye patch, and he put gave himself a, a spiked uh, shoulder pad, and like all these extra things he was like soldering to himself like he 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 just like he got himself all ready to go and starts like quoting rambo yeah and like they end up uh he no it wasn't rambo it was commando oh commando, commando rambo it's a movie that ends with an o and he ends up like chasing everybody down and getting them but he just about dies in the process his power goes and ben Zaps him back to life with a defibrillator. And then, you know, because like the whole time Ben's trying to take his uh, citizenship exam. Then you see all like the, the ending montage with like, you know, robot foils bank robbery and robot, you know, defeats criminals and this and that. And he's a hero. They end up taking the toy idea and turning it into Input Incorporated, making it like they had this huge building. And, uh, at the end, we see Ben taking the oath of citizenship with a group of people outside uh, with a judge leading the way. And then we pan over to Johnny Five, who is now fucking golden. Mm-hmm. Like they upgraded him, they fixed him, they repaired him, and then fucking dipped his ass in gold. And they're like, how do you feel? He's like, I feel alive and jumps in the air, freeze frame, just like a typical 80s movie or. or yeah, but I thought he was he be. was taking the citizens that test. too, yes, right. Yeah. He was, he was being sworn in. He was uh, he had an a American certificate. Citizen. Yes. Uh, granting him uh, all equal rights, just like everyone else. And uh, he was the first robotic citizen like they, you know, apparently he and Ben and everybody explained what had happened and how he was actually alive i didn't notice his uh, i think they got rid of his backpack thing his toolbox because i didn't see it anymore well, i don't think it was uh i don't think it was necessary it didn't go with the ensemble at that point it should have been a golden toolbox or maybe mm. it was like he's got hidden compartments or something on the side with like pneumatic actions and we'll we'll have to see but uh i mean i don't recall that being in the joker he just had a gun 
So yeah, yeah, he was very, he was very thin. Yes, I don't think uh, Joaquin Phoenix weighed seven hundred pounds either. No, I don't think he weighed two fifty either. Uh, he might have weighed two fifties, like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but so this was your first time seeing this, the second film, and your first time rewatching this. If you can't remember, it's your first time watch. Well, then it's my first time watching a lot of things because I don't remember a so lot of things. What were your your thoughts of the first movie into the second movie? How Johnny Five became who he is. I like the first one. I think I like the first one better than the second one, and I think I told you I like the second one better than the first one. But that was back when I thought the first one was the second one. Right. So regardless, you like the one that came out with Steve Gutenberg and Ali Sheedy. Yes, that one. Uh, the dog Beasley. Beasley had three legs. He was cute. I. He looked like the dog from Labyrinth. Ah uh, no, no, okay. eh. No, um, I'm really happy that you chose this character to cover this week because not only was it a chance to revisit this character, but I never, I mean, obviously I don't remember seeing the second film, but this character has quite the character arc from the first film to the second film. Yes. You know, so from the first film, from, from being made as this powerful killing machine to gaining sentience to ultimately gaining his freedom going to live with Stephanie and Newton Crosby on the farm to the second film where he gains more life experience. Yes. Becomes a hero, saves the day, and I think has the ultimate like 80s ending. Yeah, especially the jump in the air freeze frame. But I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> gets a about. Makeover like, and so, right, he gets a makeover. He looks better. He's like looking like C- C-3PO's cousin. More attractive Canadian cousin. <laughs> so yeah, I think that it's a very interesting character arc, especially for a robot, because you don't really see that. You would expect that kind of character arc with a human character or something animated, but for for a character like a robot, you know, I don't think Transformers have those types of, of character arcs. No, they're essentially the same, the same thing all the time. Like, they don't really have arcs. They have, like, battles. Like, those movies aren't... Maybe, like, throughout the TV show, and, you know, there was some stuff... Rodimus Prime in the 1986 Generation 1 film, yes, he had a character arc. Did you say Rodimus Prime? Rodimus Prime. He was Hot Rod, and then after Optimus got killed by Megatron at the beginning of the movie... Was that in, like, the porn version of Transformers? No, I just told you the 1986 animated. He was Hot Rod and then became Rodimus Prime because he was able to unlock the Autobot Matrix. Hello, ladies. I'm Rodimus Prime. You Long can call Rod me Von Hugendung. <laughs> I mean, Hot Rod for short. Hot Rods are sinful. You can tell just by their names. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I remember laughing my ass off at this movie because I was five the first time I saw it, 
you know, the, the and then you the laughed one. your ass off watching it again. I at remember like 40. how it made me feel as a kid, like when he's in the kitchen and he's like spaghetti, spaghetti sauce, and just like dumping shit everywhere, like pouring spaghetti sauce on a kitten. Like he doesn't <laughs> know what's going on. And he's like, fine China. And he like, she's like, no, no, not my dishes. And he like yanks the tablecloth out. And she's like, ooh, impressive. And he just like picks the table up and everything falls off onto the floor anyways and just smashes. He's like, apple, orange, lemon, lime. And he's like knocking everything onto the ground. Like he's just having fun. She thinks he's a fucking alien at first because when she first sees him, there's like, for some reason, like smoke or dry ice. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's him. like, I have been chosen. And I knew got, this day would come. She's got bright red <laughs> eyes. And they, the uh, there's kind of like a theme that you see a lot in the second one where she's like, is that you or are you like controlling this remotely? Is your brain inside of there? And, you know, he's just like input and like he sees her in the tub. He's like, ooh, nice software. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. Um, my brother was very excited to show it to our niece. I don't think she's seen it yet. And maybe they're waiting for the weekend for that. But I I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time like us, it's on Vudu for 4.99. Uh you can buy I was looking at this before I picked it up on Vudu cuz I I do like to have the physical media. The uh DVD or the Blu-ray combo of the two movies is a mere 90 fucking dollars on Amazon. Wow, what a steal. I would have to because I can't afford <laughs> $90 for a Blu-ray. Um yeah, I I highly recommend it. This was a lot of fun rewatching it, and I just I really enjoyed it. Um, this is another one of those movies that suffers from like I got to watch it on TV a lot when I was a kid. I mean, I saw it and I knew what was you know the actual like language that was used. Like when you meet Los Locos for the first time, and they're like Los Locos kick your ass, Los Locos kick your face, Los Locos kick your balls into outer space because you know musical gangs are a thing. You know, I mean, just look have at West you Side not, Story. I was say, have you not seen West Side Story? Um, we're going to have a rumble. I thought we were going to rumble with some greasy sharks. Not without three years of uh, ballet and four years of jazz tap, you're not. <laughs> um, but, like, if you watch it on TV, it was like, Las Locos kick your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> they totally changed it. Then, of course, they changed balls to butt, and it's just like... We're like, wow, this sucks. And I think I was like 10 when we saw it on TV. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, this is the worst. Los Logos, kick your teeth. Like, it wasn't even <laughs> the same guy saying the line. Like, it's so bad. It's like at the end of Die Hard 2 when it's supposed to be, yippee ki motherfucker. And it's, yippee ki Mr. Falcon. <laughs> it's like... Who the hell said that line? Because that's the same. It sounds. It didn't even sound like Bruce Willis. It was like some guy pretending to be Bruce Willis pretending to be someone else. It wasn't even good. But yeah, 100%. I recommend both of these movies. They're great. And then re-watch Short Circuit 2 and then watch Joker and then tell me if I'm wrong about the Joker being the dark, gritty reboot of... The Short Circuit series. Well, apparently back in 2013, they were going to try to reboot Short Circuit, but it just didn't quite pan out. I don't think they should. I think they, if anything, continue the story. Continue the story. I guess the prop just sold for $100,000. 
Wow. Like the Johnny Five actual props, $100,000. There's a guy in the United Kingdom who has like all of the short circuit stuff. Like he loves it wow. so much good, and he's good, got all of it. Good for him? Yeah. I mean, if that's your thing, like if you're able to, if I could have, a, are you shitting me? If I could have fucking Johnny Five sitting in here, do you know right now he'd be like holding my lightsaber and wearing my shark hat. Like, you know that's what would be happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. you know, according to the to the first movie, you know, you, are, you have been spending a lot of weekends away, and this was designed, uh, according to Steve Gutenberg's character, Newton Crosby, he originally designed it not as a wartime machine, but as a marital aid. It blew people up. He can give you a laser job. <laughs> Let's just say there's more in his uh, utility pack. Are you saying there's more that meets the eye? There's more than meets the eye. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I absolutely. If you guys have seen this and you guys want to tell us about it, your thoughts and feelings and memories, whether you liked it or didn't like it, it's okay if you didn't like it, even though we did. You know, I'm not going to be offended if you're like, I hated that movie and here's why. That's fine. That doesn't take away from my enjoyment, and that goes for anything. If you like something that somebody else doesn't, who cares? Fuck them. Right. Um, I do want to mention a few things after we come back from break, because we've got some big stuff coming up, not just for us, but for uh, you know friends of ours as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Unless, Ashes, you have anything else you want to say about Johnny Five? Input! All right. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, wrap up our discussion and give you some, uh, we have some science and some wine to talk about today, too. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews audio podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And we are back, and I don't know, who the hell sings that song? De La Mode, A La Mode, Ruben El Ford. DeBarge. El DeBarge. Okay, sorry. I was way off. Like, that wasn't even close. I was like, Depeche Mode, A La Mode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the song that uh, he was singing, and that's how he came up with his name, Johnny. Because they're like, who is Johnny? And he's like, Johnny. He's like, me. That's who the fuck I am. And then he ran over some gophers and was like, fuck you, gophers. I don't. Was that in the extended cut? cut? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like the interaction he had with that little robot, that one that ended up like falling down. Mm -hmm. But you never get to see. And it always disappointed me as a kid. I wanted to see the scene that they show in the credits of him interacting with like a little toy robot because I'm sure it was fucking hilarious. But you only get to see it in the credits. You don't get to see it in the actual movie and I've never seen the deleted scene so I'm very sad like hopefully someday it'll get released in like a 60th anniversary thing (laughs) 
and I'll get to see it. And the Blu-ray will probably be $90. Like, fucking, who's pricing this? Mrs. Glick from The Simpsons? It is a candy dish, Ned. $90. Well, I guess you could put lots of different... No, only candy. $90. Anywho, I hope you enjoyed that uh, super fun Johnny Five uh, conversation that we had because there's just such... such such Are you speaking backwards because your no? I think it was innards was discombobulated. Uh, no, I think it was uh, derf. Like the scene in um, Bruce Almighty when he's fucking with the teleprompter and making uh, Steve Carell's character go crazy. I think that's what it was. Probably uh, something I did to anger God. Anyhow, I mean, that could be anything. <laughs> I was going to say, but... Uh, anyhow. Ayo. Uh, so we have... What do you want to do first? Do you want to do, do science and wine in the battle? Or do you want to do the battle, science, wine? I want to do, do the battle! Oh, well, if you want to do the battle, then you know what that means. We need to play the battle theme! And gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and kittens of all ages, welcome to Robot Wars. That's right. This week's Throwdown Thursday battle is a robot war in the style of the classic television series, Robot Wars. As opposed to the Simpsons version, that's uh, welcome back to Robo Trumble. Oh, I'm sorry, Robot Rumble. So what do we got? What do we have for uh, participants and combatants today? In this corner, weighing at two hundred and fifty or seven hundred pounds, depending on who you ask, we have Johnny Five. He's alive. And in the gray corner, chugging a lowbrow beer, weighing in at uh, what is he? About four hundred and fifty pounds. Couple of kegs. We have Bender Bending Rodriguez of the Planet Express Delivery Crew. And in the blue corner, weighing in at uh, whatever 75 pounds. Gravity decides That's true. whatever he planet fly. he's on. There's some discrepancies. We are talking about Star Wars finest. R2-D2. And in the red corner, it is from Disney's 1979, The Black Hole, we have Vincent, the only uh, robot that I am aware of, voiced by Roddy McDowell. So that's a thing. Okay. That is a thing. The location of this battle is in the Thunderdome. Ooh, the Thunderdome is pretty good. And we are going by Extreme Robot Wars rules. So what does that mean exactly? Google it. Yahoogle that shit. Google it because there's a lot there. But if you've seen the show, if you're familiar with it, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So who do you think will win? Which robot reigns supreme? We could call it a test of metal. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. And that's M-E-T-T-L-E. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Glad I just came up with that. Uh, so, yeah, that's our, our battle for this week. We have Johnny Five, Bender, R2-D2, and Vincent. So who will win? Let us know in the polls. Let us know in the comments. You know, they all have a, a, a significant chance of winning this. Like, every one of them could easily win. But, like the Highlander says, there can be only one. So, we have some stuff coming up. Uh, do you want to do that? Do you want to do science and wine first? You want to talk some science talk and wine? Talk a little science and drink a little wine. Well, first. you've been uh, you've been uh, studying that bottle of uh, stuff you got there. So why don't you go first? So, like many people regarding the new year, I too made a New Year's re- resolution. Uh, my resolution is to not stutter so much during podcasting and failed. <laughs> I know I failed already. And to drink more white wine. I want to spread out more. I, I We all know I love reds. I'm the mistress of Merlot for a reason. I fucking love my red wines. If it's dry and full-bodied, I'm there. Which is why we're married. <laughs> you are very full-bodied. Very and dry. And your humor is very dry. So it's a, it's a perfect match. A um, Chardonnay. <laughs> so... In order to reach my goal of drinking more white wines, I decided to go out on a quest. I have a quest, a wine quest. What is your quest? I am searching for the perfect buttery Chardonnay that is under $10 a bottle. Good luck with that. I Most well, of it's going to be cut with gasoline. Uh, but no... Although, although gasoline is, uh, is cut with ethanol, uh, which is an alcohol. This is, this is an early different. Exxon, uh, 97 Supreme, <laughs> uh, with a rich buttery finish aged in oak barrels. So I've had my fair share of white wines. We do wine tastings quite regularly, and I do enjoy, uh, I, like, I like sweeter whites. Diamond white from Truro. That is one of his favorites. I like a good Moscato. I like a good Moscato sangria. Oh, I hate Moscatos. They're always like buzzing around and like they land on oh, no, you no, no, and like no, no, they no, bite sweetie. you those and you are, get all those itchy. Those are mosquitoes. We were talking oh. about a Moscato. Oh, totally, totally not the same thing. No, no. I'm like, get away, Moscato. Eh. <laughs> I need all my blood. So I am on the search for the most Perfect, because I love a good buttery Chardonnay. Now, last year, we actually had a perfect buttery Chardonnay up at Zorvino Vineyards. We actually went for the barrel tastings that they did in the winter, and they were prepping to bottle this ba- these barrels of Chardonnay. Unfortunately, we didn't have a time to get back up there before they ran out. So we went up there in February, did the barrel tasting, tasted the Chardonnay. We didn't get back up there until October because, you know, life happens. And unfortunately, they also don't have any places local where they sell the wines and they also don't ship. So that's a whole thing. But anyways, this Chardonnay was perfection. It tasted like buttered popcorn. I shit you not. Like it was amazing. It was 
full flavor. It was slightly dry. It was full bodied and it just, it melted in your mouth. It was incredible. So I hope, I hope, I hope that I can get up to Zorvino this year. And I'm hoping that this year's varietal of grapes has the same properties that last year's, the, the you know, last year's fermented batch did because, oh my God, it was amazing. But anyways, I'm looking for the perfect buttery Chardonnay that I can drink year round, that I can count on year round, that I can go to my local liquor store and, you know, I'm, I'm guaranteed to be able to find it. So I, 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 I shot in the dark, I picked up a Chardonnay and unfortunately it's not exactly what I'm looking for. However, I'm going to feature it as my Von Nightmare Vineyards wine for this week because I really enjoyed it. I'm drinking it right now. I'm having a good time with it and I can see myself picking it up again and drinking it this summer. So I am talking about Cupcake Vineyards Butter Kissed Chardonnay. Now you would think that with a name like Butter Kissed that it would be super freaking buttery. Unfortunately, it is not. It was not what I was looking for. The back of the wine bottle says... Our buttered kiss Chardonnay is a rich, decadent take on a timeless varietal. We grow our grapes in the sun-drenched vineyards of California, where the long, warm growing season helps us coax rich, indulgent flavors into the bottle. Butterkiss Chardonnay has a smooth, creamy mouthfeel with luscious, buttery notes and hints of vanilla, white peach, and citrus zest. Enjoy at impromptu get-togethers with friends and serve chilled with wood-fired pizza or Parmesan-crusted chicken breast. Exceptional <laughs> mouthfeel. I knew you were going to say that. Well, I wanted to wait until you were done well, reading the Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. So the flavors are very bright. Initially very bright on the palate, very fruit-forward. I don't really so much get the white peach, which is actually a good thing because I'm not a huge fan of peach flavors, but very citrusy. You do get a slight buttery warm vanilla taste in the back of your palate it almost kind of gives it a light butterscotch feel like butterscotch taste to it i did not but, get that at all when i tried it but <laughs> you are way more sophisticated when it comes to wine but unfortunately it does not have that overall delectable, indulgent, buttery taste that I'm looking for. However, I can definitely see myself picking this up again, especially during the summer, chilling it and drinking it on a hot summer's day. Like I said, the the very fruit forward citrusness of, uh, you know, in the, in the front of your palate is very, very bright and very delightful and kind of refreshing. So I, I may even make a sangria with this at some point. So, um, you know, look look out for a, a recipe this summer i'm gonna try to throw together something but uh it just it's just, it's just not that that chardonnay that i'm looking for but definitely worth checking out and the beautiful part is it was only nine dollars and change for the bottle so nice beautiful golden bottle of chardonnay cupcake vineyards butter kiss chardonnay Right now, I'm currently drinking a 2018 bottle. 
Um, it's, I mean, it's good. It's really good. I couldn't taste and the cupcake. You couldn't taste the cupcake. Sorry, sweetie. There's a, there's a cupcake in every bottle. That would be a crazy guarantee. There would be. Like, I mean, it's got some imagine? of the, I mean, if you look at the back of it, it's like, you know, it's vanilla and butter and I mean, that's half of the ingredients you well, need right like there. In, in big, bold letters at the top of the back label, creamy, buttery vanilla. So, And how yeah. many times have you watched a cooking show with like, my cupcake is going to have uh, vanilla buttercream frosting? That's right there. Well, that's creamy, it, that's buttery vanilla. When I saw this, that's what I thought of, was a vanilla buttercream frosting. It's a red velvet and cupcake with vanilla buttercream. As boring as some people think vanilla, vanilla buttercream frostings are, I am a sucker for a Good, super vanilla buttercream frosting. I love it. If it's made right, I'm here for it. Yeah, even if it's made wrong, I'll still eat it. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. It's frosting. No, but like, but I'm talking about you know like those, those like a vanilla bean buttercream frosting. Way like, tastier than Mr. Bean flavored co- frosting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although I haven't, I haven't tasted Rowan Atkinson, so I don't know how how good he tastes. But uh, this is going down a road I did not want to go down. So, road. anyways, Patsy, do you have a science fact? I do have a science fact, and uh, before I get into my actual science fact, I want to get into this thing that I've been seeing, like these viral videos of guys dunking their balls into soy sauce because there's like what? something what? passing along. Through through the internet, and this just proves how fucking stupid people are. Because I can tell you that if this was true, it would be like just the worst thing ever. Uh, people are like, oh, your your testicles have taste buds. Like that would be bad. That's actually a curse that I wish upon people. May your asshole grow taste buds. Like because. That would be terrible. So people are dunking their balls in soy sauce going, I can taste the soy sauce. No, you fucking can't because it's not in your mouth. Your balls are in it. So, no, don't do that. It's fucking stupid. Don't dump your dumplings in your soy sauce. I can't even say it's that with just a the way. It's like I, What? I've what? seen it Why? all over the internet Why? today. Really? Yes, it was all over. Like that's the thing that's that that that's the thing that people are doing. I guarantee you, if you just Google right now soy sauce, I, the rest I'm, of it will come up. I'm not going to. I will take your word for it. But yeah, I do not need to see soy sauce covered balls. No, they, you wouldn't show it, but like the articles and stuff would come up. But no, don't. That's fucking stupid. You can't taste soy sauce through your balls. Just think about this for a second. If your balls really had wait, are these taste the same receptors people that? Eight Tide Pods. It might be the Tide Pods where the people are like, I can eat a spoonful of cinnamon. I can drink a gallon of milk. Yeah, it's probably the same. Because just think about this for a second. If you you had taste receptors on your... your uh, you would shower more. Well, not just that. You would have noticed by now. You wouldn't need to dip your balls in soy sauce to be like, hmm, what's that flavor? Because... If you've ever had a hot car ride with no air conditioning or just been in a room that's really warm, no, no, no. Had a had a strenuous workout. Yeah, so no, just don't. So but, but, getting but tonight. I, 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 does, I wanna, that, does that go with your science fact? No, but I saw that. <laughs> wait, wait, why, why are we on this topic Because right that's now? 
anti-science. It's fake science, and I don't want people to do it thinking, hmm, uh, I do enjoy soy sauce. Well, no, but here's the thing. I want people to to experiment. I want them to conduct their own experiments. Not with shit like this. This is not an experiment that you need to conduct. It's like the but picture that went around. No, no, no. Way. It's like the picture that went around a while ago that showed someone's fist with the thumb inside instead of like your thumb on the outside and your thumb on the inside. It's like, if you do this and move your hand a certain way, you'll tear your tendon. And people are like, wow, let me see. And they were doing that and they were tearing the tendons. They're like, wow, it worked. It's like, why would you fucking do this? This is a do not do this fucking a, 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 a diagram. Like, don't do this because you'll destroy your tendon. People are like, what? Destroy my tendon? I'm a fucking idiot. I'll do that. No. So stay away from this. Don't eat cinnamon. Don't eat Tide Pods. Like, well, spoonfuls of dry powdered cinnamon. Don't eat that. Don't try to drink a gallon of milk. Like, you know, just don't do this stupid shit. Not that I would expect any of us that are listening to this to do that. But if you're curious, like you want to dip your balls in something like for, you know, a thrill. Fine. But don't do it to see if you can taste because just don't. So my science fact for today is... Uh, it's about clouds. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually uh, in response to last week uh, because I, I got my weeks mixed up and I thought last week was science fact. I was going to talk about heterochromia, which is a condition that uh, you know, actually made David Bowie uh, more exotic. And you know, it's not just him. Lots of people have this and uh, lots of pets as well. We have uh, a pet at my parents' house. Who has heterochromia? Heterochromia is when you have either two different colored eyes. The iris of your eye, the colored part, is different. Like you have one brown and one blue. Uh, Max Scherzer, the uh, dominating pitcher from the uh, from the Washington Nationals, has a brown eye and a blue eye. Uh, some people have blue and green. Sometimes you have uh, you know blue with green in it. Like I have. Uh, like, my eyes are blue most of the time, but I also have, like, a ring of yellow on the inside, and that is a form of heterochromia because it's not a uniform, uh, like, ashes, your eyes are brown. Like, there's no, like, like half of it isn't green on one of them. You know, so there's... Thank you for making me feel special, Patrick. Well, I'm just saying. I have these eyes, and your eyes are brown. Yeah, but you know oh, what else no, is brown? Brown cow. Chocolate. And everybody loves chocolate, and that's why everybody loves you. But I'm just saying, like, that's the difference. Like, it doesn't affect your vision. It doesn't require surgery. It doesn't, you know, there's nothing, like, that would cause you any any issues. It's just, you know, the pigmentation. And this could happen at birth. It could happen later on in life. And there's lots of different combinations. In fact, with some animals, like with cats... In a lot of cases, that is a uh, a symptom or a uh, a signal that your cat could be deaf if they have a specific combination. I think it's blue and blue and green or blue and yellow. But my cat is one yellow, one green, and so she she can hear just fine. But certain cats, that's an and indicator. yet chooses not to. Yeah, she just ignores you like every cat, like because she's a cat. Because she's a cat. So we have some stuff coming up. Uh, Ashes, what do we have coming up uh, in just about a month from now? 
Yeah, so we have our first convention of the year coming up. We're talking about Wicked Weekend. That's in February, February, 21st through the 23rd at the Hilton Hotel down in Mystic, Connecticut. It's shaping up to be a really awesome time. Yeah, um, first of all, if you're thinking about going down there, go to thewickedvault.com, click on... Uh, the Wicked Weekend part because they don't, they, you know, it's not just for the Wicked Weekend uh, thing. They do a lot of stuff. They sell collectibles and whatnot. So go to the Wicked Weekend part, and at the top of that page, you'll see hotels. And when you click on that, it automatically redirects you to the Mystic Hilton, and uh, it gives you the different rates, you know, for the the rooms. Uh, right now, they're offering either a king size, uh, one king size bed, or two double beds. So if you want to bunk up with a friend. Uh, each of those is one twenty nine a night, which is much lower than it usually is. Uh, we uh, we already booked our room. We have a different room that has a whirlpool tub, so we're hoping that it just like sucks us right down into infinity, and we don't have to go to work anymore. To infinity and, and beyond. beyond, to forever and more. Um, so so party in our room, by the way. Yes, <laughs> but anyways. Definitely, if you're if you're on the fence about going, if you're not sure, just go. Bite the bullet. Pay the admission. It's going to be a really great time. We're actually heading down there that Thursday because we're going to go to the Mystic Aquarium. Which is like right across the street. I'm going to see so the close. penguins and play with the little belugas and sing them songs. They're going to love it. We're going to have such a great time. And uh, what are we doing for dinner that night? We're going to Mystic Pizza so I can have a Julia Roberts moment. She's going to like reach. I'll be like, oh, here's the pizza. And she'll reach for it. And I'll just like slam the lid down on her hand. And I'm going to be like, ha, 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 ha. That's like, so funny. You know, it's like pretty, pretty Woman and Mystic Pizza all at the same time. Pretty Pizza oh Woman. God, pretty Pizza Woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, it's going to be a great time. Oh, yeah. Crazy guests are being announced still. Tons of vendors are going to be there, too. Uh, you know, if you're looking to expand your VHS collection, Witter Entertainment will be there. Broke Horror Fan. Um, Deadly Grounds Coffee, who sponsors us, they'll be there. So you can go and stock up, which we need to do because we're just about out. So we're, we have to yeah, spend we're like pretty much out, on coffee. So we are going... Specifically to get coffee. We're going to stock up because not only are they a sponsor, but the coffee is so goddamn good. Right? I don't usually dig flavored coffees. I think they have a very just fake, like, chemical taste to them. And these flavored coffees do not. I don't know what kind of magic they're doing up in there down in deadly ground land. But, like, it, whatever they're doing, it's working. The coffee is amazing. So definitely come play with us at Wicked Weekend. We're going to be there. The Dorkening Network is going to be there. A bunch of other people are going to be there. Crazy, crazy guests. A lot of fun stuff is going to be happening. If you have any questions, definitely either ask us or check out uh, thewickedvault.com. And uh, it's going to be a really good time. Yeah, I'm very I'm much looking, looking forward to this. I am wicked excited for Wicked Weekend. Yes, it's going to be a good time. The Dorkening Network is going to be there. There's going to be so many of us. We are have a booth. Come down, see us. I said that already. And 
we have some new swag to hand out. We have so much fun stuff, you guys. Oh, my God. So not only do we have our pins with our fun little logos on them, and we've had those for a couple of cons. And stickers. And our stickers. We have fun stickers with our little logos on them. But we now have Patsy magnets. Oh, yeah. And we have Von Nightmare Vineyard coasters. High quality coasters. And these are like metal with cork the on the cork bottom. Cork bottom coasters that you can actually use and reuse for years to come. Perfect for sipping your Mistress of Merlot approved wine in a controlled setting. That's right. And uh, you won't leave rings on your table, much like uh, apparently the, the, the Patriots this year will not leave any rings on your table. Oh. oh, too bad. So what else do we have coming up, Patsy? Well, this week on um, on Shark Bites, I sat down with the uh, the gentleman from Majama. That's... Were you Majamas in pajamas? No, but we were Majamin. Oh. Yeah. So I got a chance to re-interview these guys. Um, obviously, Mateo, Jason, and uh, Matt. But... The way they were sitting, there was Mateo, Matthew, and Jason. So at the time of recording, they were Mamaja. And I did point that out. <laughs> but we talked about the process. We had a few people uh, leave questions and comments about the film and about their process. And uh, as a result, uh, one of our filmmaker friends, Chloe Carroll, won an autographed copy of Bad CGI Sharks. Uh, if you listen to the uh, episode, you already knew that. But uh, yeah, we had a few questions from some podcasters and some filmmakers, some really awesome people. Um, and this Saturday, so as in when you're listening to this on Thursday, two days from now, if you are in the Burbank, California area, downtown at Dark Delicacies, they are going to be uh, down there signing copies like the whole cast with the exception of uh jen who is going to be in singapore but the whole the whole cast is going to be down there signing copies even chumley chumley should be there <gasps> he is no like, way the main guy he is like the coveted character so uh, according to mateo it's 20 dollars for the for the dvd 25 if you don't want them to sign it okay and they are also going to be giving away the little mini clapboards that Bernardo uses. <gasps> no way! Very, so not everybody will get them. So you get down there while supplies are are, are available. Definitely get there early. Uh, it's dark. That's delicacies. worth late, waiting in line for. Yes, you know, dark delicacies, Burbank, uh, uh, downtown Burbank, and that's uh, this Saturday, January twenty fifth. I think it be- begins at four o'clock. So get down there, get your signed copy. Uh, I wish I could go. It would be awesome, but it's just not feasible with us being in Massachusetts and California being at least 12 miles away. Um, However, speaking of uh, independent films, we are going to be interviewing James Thomas from, uh, as you heard earlier, the director of Megalodon. He's got a new movie coming out next week, and we're super excited for that. Very excited because it's not only going to be him, but... uh, from what I understand, we're going to have some cast members as well, so that's going to be pretty great. It's going to be good to talk to some cast people and uh, maybe some names that you might be familiar with. 
But we've got that coming up. And uh, what else have we got coming up? We've got another show that we're going to be doing in a few weeks. We don't know exactly when, but we've, we're uh, going to be promoting some other independent stuff. Something that was uh, sent specifically to Ashes. Oh, she wants to keep it uh, on the down low. She doesn't want to tell you yet. It's too much of a surprise, but they specifically asked her, so I'm very excited for this. We have some shows in the works. We can't give you any details right now because they are in the works. Thank you, Patsy. But it'll be happening eventually. It'll happen eventually. We have some stuff in the works. And that's all people need to know right now. Um, But no, we do have some pretty awesome guests we're trying to line up for you guys right now. Uh, Some great interviews to happen about some great characters. So definitely stay tuned. And until then... Wait, I have have one more thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, Also... I thought you were done. No, no, no. I have one more thing. Uh, I was just throwing it back to you and then throwing it back to me, like, you know, back and forth, you know, like a tennis... tennis, uh, In a tennis rink, you know? I don't... I don't don't know. I don't know. So, uh, there are several independent films that, like, we are trying to help promote, including uh, Bloody Summer Camp, which has not only our... Our friend Felissa Rose. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. Just an absolute delight and has been amazing to us every time we have ever seen her. She is so nice. She is so kind. Uh, she is in this as well as uh, my buddy Christian Jensen. And if you are unfamiliar with him, get familiar. He writes some amazing stuff. Um, he's in the film. So now I'm, I'm doubly excited to... Uh, to support this, I actually uh, donated to the Kickstarter today because I want one of the ten limited edition VHS tapes because they Ooh. only have ten. So make sure you uh, you contribute, and if that you know VHS collecting is your thing, make sure you uh, you get you get that perk because it's not gonna last. So Bloody Summer Camp, you can find them on uh, Facebook. Check them out. And uh, contribute to their Kickstarter. They got some really cool stuff. One of the best things, it's only $10 for this park. It is that I survived, uh, you know, mug. And one lucky person is going to get the Felissa Rose signed mug. So That's just, exciting. She signed one. And they're just going to randomly put it into somebody's uh, uh, order. But I was checking it out, and it's a pretty solid mug. It like, is. That's a great mug. It's a re- Even if it's not signed, like... It's a solidly built, like, really quality mug. Like Camp Trustfall mug. Yes. Yes. I survived Camp Trustfall. Like, it's really, yeah. I I, I recommend. Like, there's different there's different tiers. Obviously, it's a it's a uh, it's a crowdfunding project. So, but the mug is only ten dollars, and you have a chance of getting uh, a Felissa Rose mug. So. Definitely, uh, definitely check them out. And there's going to be more that we'll be talking about, obviously, as as we contribute. Later. Yes. So, especially once February rolls around. But with that, what? February, September. But with that being said, oh, are we done now? I think we're done. Wait, do you have anything? I don't know. Do I? Do I have anything? I don't know. I, I'm getting hiccups. I have that. <laughs> that that's the thing that happened. But do you have anything else? You good? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, in that case, (gasps) we we will see you next next Thursday. Thursday. Enjoy this amazing song. 
Oh, is it the is it yes. the song? Is it the song that you did the poll for? I did a poll. I totally forgot about the poll. I did a poll asking people. All I said was, "Do you like this song? Yes or no?" And but you didn't even ask people if they liked the song. You no, were just I like, just said this song. song yes this or song, no? Yes or no? And, and uh, I, I think most of the people. Oh, it's overwhelmingly yes. Well, yes. I mean, like, okay. So, like, we talked about it towards the end of last week's episode. And, I mean, I wasn't trashing the song. I get it. I just don't understand what the fascination with is. Like, uh, like everyone loves it. It's a good song. But not like everyone. Like, like a lot of the male population. Like, it was 15 to 3. this song. And I just, I don't, I just, I find it funny. It was 15 to 3 with the votes. Yes to no. So it was a five to one margin, and uh, yeah, so fifteen three, and so enjoy this song, and we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday again, again. <laughs>